The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. The Word of God this morning is from Exodus chapter 17. And if you're wondering what was going to be up on the screen, there is, uh, the painting is printed on your PowerPoint, and I hope that um, on Zoom you have it up on your screen as well. I want to read to you the lesson from Exodus chapter 17. We're going to start at verse 8. And this comes right, right on the heels of our lesson from last week where God had tested the Israelites, they had failed, and yet in His grace and mercy, He opened the rock and water Life-giving water flowed out, and that rock is Christ. This is from Exodus chapter 17. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had more ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, They took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. This is the word of the Lord. When you first look at John Everett Millay's really exquisite painting, my eyes, at least, are drawn to her. H-U-R. Probably because his, his, his beautifully embroidered robe is stained a deep crimson red. And it's appropriate. Her is one of the princes of Egypt, he, of, of Israel. He, he is the, the grandson of Caleb. You know who Caleb was? One of the spies who went into the promised land. He is also the father of Bezalel. You know, the guy who was so full of the Spirit that God chose him to be the artist who would put together the tabernacle and all of the things used for the worship of the Lord. And so as you look at John Millay's exquisite painting, your eyes are drawn to the beautifully woven robe and its deep crimson red, but that's not all. My eyes are then drawn to his eyes. And his eyes are screaming. I'm terrified. And for good reason. The Amalekites had come. 
And they had done what they always do. They had found a thirsty, vulnerable people, and now they were attacking. You see, the Amalekites were the ancient version of ISIS or, you, or, or creation's version of a pack of wolves. Their modus operandi, their MO, was to find the tired and the oppressed and those who are lagging, and then they would cut them off from the group and take them down like a pack of wolves takes down a lone buffalo or bison. Moses remembered this event later in the book of Deuteronomy, and he said this to the people, when you were weary and worn out, they met you on your journey and attacked all who are lagging behind. Some people call this form of warfare guerrilla warfare. I call it war crimes. They killed the grandmas. They killed the sick. They killed the marginalized. Kind of just sort of like what coronavirus is doing to our world now. These guys were not warriors. They were terrorists. And so when, when Her looks down on it all, his eyes are screaming. I'm terrified. And his body, if you look at his posture, he's, he's sort of kind of like this. Like He's not sure if he's staying with Moses or he's not sure if he's running for the hills, see? Because the outcome of the battle of Rephidim was by no means certain. Sometimes, the lesson says, the people of God, the church, Israel was winning. But sometimes... The terrorists, the Amalekites, were winning. And at first they probably didn't really notice it, right? They probably didn't figure out the pattern, but after a while one of them must have figured it out. You know, every time, Moses, you're holding up your hands, they're winning. But every time your hands get heavy and you let them drop to the ground, you can see the Amalekites cutting down Israelites one after another. So they came up with a battle strategy that they would take this rock and they would put it underneath Moses and her grabbed one arm of Moses and Aaron grabbed the other hand of Moses and they stood there like that until they won the battle. You know, it's interesting when people look at this lesson, they, they, they talk about what it could possibly mean. What does it mean that, that Moses' hand sort of brought down the power of God? Some people think it's about prayer. And that's a head idea that, that really... Nothing that's happening on the battlefield matters at all. What really matters is if Moses' hands are in the air and that Moses and her and Aaron are praying. And that's a heady idea for us. Like if we would just pray long enough 
and hard enough. If we would just get our hands up in the air, then we would certainly win. But if we don't pray long enough and hard enough, God forbid. And certainly, certainly, as you think about that, I really doubt that, that Moses was sitting up on that mountain and that they were discussing the, the once again failed season of the New York Mets. I really do think that they, they looked down on the battle and it spurred them to prayer. But if you look at this lesson, there's not one single word of prayer in the whole thing. Not a single word. And I've got to tell you that in the book of Exodus, Moses is recorded praying all the time, but not here. This can't be about prayer. It isn't about prayer. So what does it mean that, that Moses can bring down the power of God by putting his hands up in the air? I think it means simply this. That the church militant wins by God's own power only when we cling to each other. Only when we grab onto each other and we refuse to let go no matter what is going on. You know, the Scriptures talk about this idea that we call, we call the church or the gathering, the people who have been called out. And it's all over. I mean, basically the whole Bible is not written to individuals, although there's some books of the Bible written to individuals. But basically the whole Bible is written to who? A community, a gathering, a church, a people who have come together to hold on to each other with Christ in the center of it all. It's for this reason that the Scriptures say, not only encourage us, but command us, let us not give up the gathering. Because what happens if we do? Amalek comes. And the people who have separated themselves from the group, the people who have made themselves vulnerable, because they think that Christianity can be lived out as an individual and apart from the group, are attacked and destroyed. You know, this truth is not only in the Scriptures, but it's also in creation. There, there's a ridiculous video. <laughs> maybe, maybe sometimes you watch Jimmy Kimmel, and Jimmy Kimmel made this, what I think is kind of a funny if not irreverent, YouTube series called Plazanet Earth with Snoop Dogg. Maybe you've seen this before. And Snoop Dogg gives his own little commentary on nature documentaries. And there's this one where at the beginning of the video you see these otters, right? And they're all by themselves, these otters. <laughs> and this crocodile comes around and when the otters are by themselves, they get afraid. And they run away because they're vulnerable by themselves. But then the otters 
decide to get together. And Snoop Dogg comments on what happens next. This is what he says. What is these animals? There's about 12 of them. And they gone and backed that gator up. I ain't never seen a gator get punked by no mongooses. You see the point? When we are together, when we refuse to let go, when we hold on to each other, we are strong. And we can even punk the crocodile, right? Or the gator, if we want to use uh, Snoop Dogg's words. The church needs to stick together because strength comes down from heaven when we hold tightly to each other. If you look at that painting again, blending really kind of into the background is Aaron. His clothing does not call attention to himself. He's quietly facing the battle of Rephidim in the background. But Moses needs Aaron. If Aaron's not there to hold Moses up, Moses couldn't do it, and the battle would be lost. Aaron seems so non-essential, and yet at the same time, he is utterly essential to the victory. You know, there's a Christian hymn, an old Christian hymn that I used to sing growing up in my church, and it goes something like this, and it memorializes Moses and Aaron moment, it says, If you cannot be a watchman, standing high on Zion's wall, pointing out the path to heaven, offering life and peace to all, with your prayers and with your offerings, you can do what God demands. You can be like faithful Aaron, holding up the prophet's arms. Did you sing that growing up? Beautiful, beautiful truth. You see, in the battle against sin and against the enemies of the church, you need both Aaron and Moses. They go together. I don't know if you've seen it, but in my social media circles, maybe in yours too, there's been a blog post that has gone sort of viral. I've seen person after person share it. And it was a blog post written by Tom Rainer. And the blog was called this, Six Reasons Your Pastor is About to Quit. Have you seen this blog? And then it goes on to detail all of the struggles that pastors are going through today. One after another, offerings are falling, attendances are way down. People want the pastor to be preaching about all these different movements going on in the country right now. And when he doesn't, they get mad. And we could go on and on and on. People want the church to respond to coronavirus in a certain way. Pastors are tired these days. Their arms are heavy. And without Aaron there, 
without somebody to pick them up, their arms could fall to the ground. I'm not saying this so that you feel sorry for me or something like that. I'm saying this because not only are pastors tired, but I actually think that all of you are tired too. People are discouraged, so what do we need? We need someone to grab our arms and hold us up. In the middle of the painting sits Moses. And Moses is tired. His face is bowed. And his hand is kind of gnarled. You see that there? His hand is gnarled from, from the pain that, the, that he's in. There's, they used to do these strongman competitions. Have you ever done this before where you hold out your arms and you see how long you can do it? And it doesn't take long before you can start to feel the pain in your back and your shoulders and your, your hands start to tremble a little bit like this. The pain becomes, after a while, excruciating. And yet, even in all of that pain, there's something in Moses as he faces the battle, he's thinking to himself, and he's vowing to himself, I will not let my arms drop. I will hold up my arms until this battle is finished and we've won. There's no quitting, Moses. When I think about that, I don't know if the artist was thinking it or the author of Scripture was thinking it. But when I see that gnarled hand and its suffering and its refusal to give up, I think of our dear Savior Jesus. And instead of having, you know, two friends at his side as he goes through that victorious suffering, he's got two strangers who happen to be thieves crucified at his right and his left. And instead of having the soft hands of friends holding up his arms, his arms are held up by nails. But even despite all the suffering, there is no quit in him. He will finish the victory for us until he can cry out, It is finished. And those hands that suffered all of that for you are the hands that now hold you up. See, today... I do want you to hold on to each other with all of your strength. But I also want you to know that your Savior Jesus is holding on to you. And He will not let your hands fall down. As you look at that painting, who are you? Who do you identify with? Are you her? Afraid of what might come? Then look down to Moses. 
Because he's going to sit there until the battle is won. Are you Aaron? Are you a little bit like Aaron, having so many hats that nobody notices at all? Then know this, you are absolutely essential to the battle. We can't do it without you. Are you Moses? Are you tired? Do your hands feel like they're just about to fall down? Can't do it anymore. Then look to your right and your left. Because Aaron and her are there. They're going to shove a stone underneath you and grab your arms. What we do here at church every single Sunday is we gather around our dear Savior Jesus. And from His victorious life, the same power that that came to Him, that rose Him from the dead, we draw from that week after week after week after week that we might be a church that, that not only survives this, but that, as Stoop Dog says, punks the crocodile. Amen.